Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Tim's Take, episode 98. Episode 98, and guess what? We still have at least one listener, because we have a mailbag. Mailbag! Oh, hey, I don't even have to cut that. Very good. It is from longtime listener of the podcast, Chetty. Shall I read it? Love it. It's kind of long, so I'm going to read excerpts. And this was offered to me as an unofficial mailbag, but we're making it official by reading it, obviously. So Chetty says this, just getting around to your podcast episode on how having a second child has changed you. Listening to you and Rachel reflect, I feel a mix of both common feeling, though in our case, we're many years removed from having a baby around, and at times thinking, oh, that reaction, which I kind of understand, is the product of a lot of factors that are quite different from my own experience. He goes on, I wonder if the old notion of it takes a village speaks not just to the idea of having a lot of support outside of immediate family, but also of enough commonality such that parenting advice or experiences can actually be passed along with some confidence in the relevance of what is being offered. We had a little bit of back and forth, and then he added this. Sometimes I wonder about the professionalization of so many types of accompaniment. We can think about that in our own lives and the ways we've used classes and other people's expertise, which perhaps used to be drawn from community, he goes on to say. But then I recognize that actually it's a lot of work to accompany someone well, whether it be as a spiritual director or a counselor or a pastor. That work, quote unquote, perhaps used to be naturally done through having shared rhythms and a certain kind of relational knowledge that doesn't come as easily these days. And so we do sometimes need to pay people to journey intentionally with us, if we can afford it, that is. Of course, counselors and spiritual directors and pastors do have forms of specialized knowledge that is different from an untrained friend or aunt or elder or whatever, but I'd venture to say that the percentage of the companionship that is dependent on that specialized knowledge might be smaller than one would assume. Mm. There you go. I thought those were pretty interesting thoughts. Do you have any reactions? Well, I'd like to hear your reactions first. Well, two kind of big thoughts in response. The The first thing he said, I thought... Yeah, there is a certain commonality that is, I think, helpful in receiving advice. But the other thing that can bridge is sort of relational depth. So I was thinking about Chetty and some of sort of feedback and times he's had input into some of my own parenting or just given perspective. And yeah, we have very different contexts. We live in different parts of the world. Our kids are different ages. But part of what allows me to receive that advice is a kind of relational depth that exists there. So like there's ways to bridge over differences where there's trust, right? And you both come with understanding your differences. So that was one of my thoughts. And then my thoughts on the professionalization that he's talking about and companionship and whether what we are seeking is almost more the companionship than the expertise is maybe one way I was interpreting what he was saying. I was just, I thought about this podcast for us and I think, Part of the reason in the end we've done it or part of what's been most rewarding about it is the companionship we've offered each other in mm. reflecting about these things out loud. But the times it's been most rewarding is when we have gotten people responding to it, right? And giving either input or their own experience. And we, like, honestly, our listenership is very tiny, like very, very small. And people who consistently listen is very, very small. But also they're like many of them actually reach out to us occasionally and the sense of journeying with them. Like that's, I think been a gift of doing this whole podcast project since Oliver was born. So there were a couple of my thoughts. Mm. I'm curious. Yeah. What else you would add? Yeah. I'm curious. Like what are the 
what are some of the factors as to why like companionship feels so challenging right now I mean I think there's so many reasons but it does feel one of those things that's like in some ways fixable maybe not by yourself but like there are I think choices we could make but I do feel like a hesitation like that both sounds really good and also kind of a lot of work <laughs> or intimidating to like pursue companionship to build a village like that mm-hmm. in a non-professionalized context yeah so it's interesting I'm just trying to like I don't know identify within myself like both that sounds so good and also like a part of me like kind of rears back a little bit at it not as like I don't I don't disagree with the concept at all but just as like I can feel myself kind of like hesitate into thinking about pursuing that and it's just interesting I don't quite know why or like what yeah, I don't know if it feels too vulnerable, too exposed. I mean, in some ways, like, we have more access than ever before to, like, lots of, like, this mirage of companionship when you think about, like, social media. I think in terms of parenting, at least I find this true in kind of the mom sphere. Yeah. Maybe more so than you might experience in the dad sphere but like kind the dad of dad sphere is mostly just memes so you know <laughs> yes that's true but kind of like this idea of like women walking alongside each other and sharing stories and some like real depth and vulnerability there and in some ways like that's been really helpful for me yeah but i think it's easy to like substitute that for like real honest companionship that's interesting that you that's say like that that's like a multi like relational it's not this kind of para pararelational thing is that a thing parasocial parasocial is the word that's the word i'm looking for yeah it's interesting i mean if someone was to like if we were to feed our podcast transcripts to an ai and we asked like who are rachel's closest friends based off what we've talked about on the podcast like pretty high chance like they say blog crush lady Mm. and the pediatrician you follow yeah right (laughs) right Right. and maybe emily oster (laughs) but all people i don't have a two-way relationship with (laughs) but who have been in some ways companions on your journey in this case unpaid companions but people you've kind of invited them in and we've talked about the role of experts in our lives before i i think maybe part of it too is well, there's obviously all the negative elements of isolation and sort of family being reduced down to mom, dad, and kids within a household even and the ways that impacts all this. Like if I was to name a positive of the kind of professionalization of companionship, I do think one of the challenges of the village is it becomes hard to weigh whose voice is louder and whose voice is quieter. Who do you turn up and who do you turn down? both for yourself, for your kids. And like, I think that's, we've talked before about wanting, like sometimes needing to pick one expert to listen to rather than sort of letting the whole C or Google sort it out for you. And that's one of the advantages. And I think probably culturally, we've taken it to an unhelpful, an unhelpful extent in many ways or unhealthy extent even. But I I can see how, why people would be inclined in that direction at the same time. Yeah. Do you find it difficult to talk to the, like our friends about parenting? I mean, I don't, I just don't, you just don't do it. No. 
even in like the May- challenges. I mean, that's not that's not necessarily true. I, I mean, guess sometimes. I think we swap stories with people, but that is different. I don't know that there's not a lot of people who we've like. Okay, hey, we're like, we're really struggling with this. Like, what do you do? Or yeah. yeah, I don't know. Do you find that to be true? Yes, it's very rare for me to look to friends for parenting advice. I look to people for advice on other things, but hmm. I wonder why that is. Like, I can't remember the last time I asked a friend, like, what, like, what should I do about my toddler just whining about his Kinder Surprise chocolate? at dinner or what do you guys do or something maybe i i mean i'm sure i have but it's not a common question i'm asking yeah but it's such a huge part of your life it is but i'm also a very weirdly and unhealthily compartmentalized individual <laughs> so you know sometimes when i'm with other people it wouldn't even cross my mind to ask it yeah fascinating well chetty thank you for that mailbag one day yeah, one day maybe we'll comment about Chetty's identity as the podcast wraps up or something down the road. All right. Well, that was plenty of food for thought. We we have started in the deep end of the pool. So let's go to like the shallow end because I suggested that we talk about play. Not very clearly, very explicitly, not how we play with the kids, not what play as parents looks like, but what play for us means as whole people (laughs) as individuals and so we just want to we want to play pun intended with the idea of play today so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna playfully toss the ball to you (laughs) this is gonna get ridiculous (laughs) were some first thoughts yeah this was actually maybe easier to think about than i thought it might be i I don't find myself a curmudgeonly person, but play is, I don't know if I would describe myself always as a playful person. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I think there's moments. I think I, growing up, maybe associated playfulness too much with like being funny or like traditionally, and I don't necessarily find myself like witty. And so I think I probably downplayed like the fact Good that one. maybe <laughs> that uh, I am or can be playful. Does that make sense? So I think like I suppressed that a little bit because I okay didn't see it in a certain way. I, yeah, I get that. I do think having kids has opened me up to that a little bit. Yeah. That part of myself again and like exploring it in different ways. And I think being married to you, honestly, I think because I find you very funny and i do think some of our like banter maybe has brought out some of my like playfulness with words together in conversation you're just gonna stare at me while i keep rambling no i find this fascinating yeah do you have an example oh no uh (laughs) but i do feel like i engage in conversation with you in a different way than i engage in conversation with a lot of people. Well, I do appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your husband. <laughs> but you draw some of that from me, which I appreciate about you. You have a gift. Anyway, <laughs> all that to say. One of the things that I do feel that brings out my playfulness or that I find very playful is music. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I love listening to music. I've, 
have <laughs> in college, my music taste was described by my roommates as bubbly. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. I don't think I knew that. Yep. Maria Smildy would always say, oh, this is a bubbly Rachel song. <laughs> and so I would always get somewhat mocked, but also like it was like kind of endearing mocking of what? like... I think my friends and my roommates in college were very folksy, very like emotional, kind of what not alternative. What's the Americana? Yeah, no, but not even that like country or like I don't know indie. Yeah, I guess so. Emo? Pop, no, pop, pop, hardcore, indie something. Anyway, they were very, they were very hip, and I was not. But I just love a good song that makes me feel good. So, like, bring out the acoustic guitar. Like, I want a song that transports me to, like, you're outside, there's a lake, there's sunshine, someone's got a guitar around a fire pit. Like, I'm oh, like... Oh, man. What? <laughs> I'm like, okay. bring on the good times, the good feels. Okay, what's the quintessential? What's the quintessential be Rachel song? Uh, I think I can I can give you something to put on the podcast. But, like... Feel So Right by Matt Wirtz or Everything's Right are two songs. If you look those up, like that was the Those type are both of music. by Matt Wirtz? Yeah. Okay. Those are like, yeah, that's that's it. Anyway, I, I do like other music and I find like other music can be playful because it can kind of transport you to like a different feel or vibe. But like I love like driving by myself, like putting down the window that is like singing out loud. And like, and I think with kids, like, bringing out some of like the dance like i am not by Mm -hmm. any means a dancer at all but like i love dancing with the kids like i find that a very easy way to play with them yeah my like workout exercises dancing like i love music you know and i find that really fun i just find that if i put on music like i can be very frustrated and stubborn or like overwhelmed by something and like i find it hard to resist if i like can get a good song on to like it it's it's a, it takes a lot to not break have that break me out of a funk and that's like pretty fun and playful yeah that's awesome that's a great so, answer there you go there's one thing <laughs> and I've, i think i've always been like that but it has shifted and probably increased since having kids too hmm i i do think i am a playful person I do think also that's intention with what people expect and anticipate from me, like quite often, not people who know me well. Like I think as people get to know me, they realize like most of the time I would like to be joking around and not having serious conversation, (laughs) but I'm also a pastor. (laughs) Wait, so you, you, but you were saying that is what people expect you to be is funny. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. I yeah. think people expect me to be serious. Yes. It's intention. Mm-hmm. My playfulness yes. is intention with what people expect of me. Oh, intention. Intention. Yes. I thought you were saying like, I don't know. Anyway. Like can't... intention. Like <laughs> my intention is to be serious. Yes. Yes. That's what I thought you were saying. Intention. Contrast to this what people like, expect. This is world-class podcast. <laughs> this is what the people want. <laughs> Us debating semantics of words. <laughs> no, I was just debating what I said. Anyway, so that's an interesting layer that I feel like I live with a lot. And I mean, there are times where it's not appropriate to be playful. And I, I try to, I think I do a decent job of being aware and emotionally sensitive of when when it is and when it isn't. But when I was thinking about 
play. I think two things for me are play. One is like like physicality is playful. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I was thinking about I used to play basketball a couple times a week and now I play basketball every day. It's not quite the same because I used to play against grown men in a pickup <laughs> game and now I play against my son. But there is something about the physicality and I would love to, I would love to be playing in pickup games again but uh, not not this season. Something about that physicality was always mm-hmm. like rejuvenating. And even though it was exhausting, it was like I didn't leave with more like physical energy, obviously, after like a hard game of basketball, but certainly sort of a buoyancy to it. And like also like wrestling with the kids is totally like playful and fun. And right before bedtime, usually right before bedtime (laughs) is the most fun. Lots of tickling, lots of play. So I thought that was interesting. It's like. Mm. There's things that I love in my life that I don't think are categorized as play for me. Like we watch TV and I love watching TV. I don't think it's play. I love to read. I don't think I find read reading to be play for me. I'm, I'm sure some people do and engage it with that way. And the other thing is like being with close friends and like sh- like hearing funny stories. <laughs> you love it. It was like catnip to oh you. Oh my gosh. I just... <laughs> I I love a story that is just hilarious. Like like a well-crafted the art of stories is play to you. If you someone just... can tell a good story, I am just all over it. And like especially if they are patient enough to engage with my question asking cuz I'm usually interrupting. I think a good storyteller a lot to like clarify cuz you just want all the details. Like that you're just so hungry for the the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is really there's a lot of play to that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is interesting. I mean, one like through line from yours to mine is like music is really embodied for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've talked about explicitly about the physicality of the things that I've engaged with and like the shared nature. You're maybe doing a little bit more of the dancing by yourself, but also like dancing with others. Yeah. We probably both enjoyed that to some degree for people who didn't even have dancing at their wedding. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. It is. <laughs> I don't really want to dance with like semi-strangers. but No, I don't either. Like, but with, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even really want to dance with friends. I no. guess really just with family. We've had people over and like the kids want to dance. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when it's just us, I really enjoy it. Or by myself. Do you think we have a healthy amount of play in this season? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, in some ways. But I do think a lot of that is focused around the kids, which yeah. I think it's good. I think we are playful with the kids. I think we, I would hope that they would describe our family as one who plays a lot. I think we do play a lot with them. And in ways that I think I'm learning that it has to be ways in which you also enjoy Uh, One note I was thinking is that I do not find role-playing playful at all. (laughs) I just like it so much. But you should clarify that you're not talking about uh, bedroom activities. (laughs) No, I'm definitely not. You're talking about with Oliver. Yes. Oh, dear. (laughs) I just think that's an important maybe note as we talk about play not as parents. And now you have made a turn to talk about play as a parent. (laughs) Uh, no, I, <laughs> I just like, 
Yeah, but I was never I was never a theater kid. Like I don't like doing voices. I don't like doing accents. Like uh Oliver likes really a shame. to have it's his really stuffed animals and like he wants you to like be their voices and I just like I have like a capacity of like five minutes of it. And even the other day I was like, Matt, I, I can't I can't do the role playing right now. Like you take the kids and the stuffed animals, I'm out until this is done. <laughs> I just like it like grates on me. I just don't my mind it just does not have that capacity or enjoyment for that kind of play which well, is interesting and like in fairness like you're married to someone who sets an incredibly high bar that's not it <laughs> incredibly high bar of accents i just find it so that it feels it feels so hard like it's such a skill thing like you either you are good at like stories and accents and stuff or you're not and then it's just miserable if you're oh, you not just, you just have to embrace it tonight i was trying to read a book as the grinch and it ended up sean connery yeah i'm like you just keep going it's just not i don't enjoy it <laughs> and i think the other thing i was thinking about that i do find playful is like shared common experiences like i was thinking like when we go to disney world one of the things i love most is like a good fireworks show or like something that you're all doing together like as a crowd like even like basketball games like going to see the spurs like i find it very fun and playful to like everyone's like like this kind of unifying common thing like you're all cheering for the same team which i never really understood until i went to a basketball game and i actually knew what they were doing and so everyone's cheering and it's like this thing i feel like role playing is like yeah that's such like skills based analysis <laughs> and so i like a thing where you just go and no individuals are being picked out. It's just this communal experience of play. And that's so fun. Anyway, that's my gripe about that's the play I don't like. Huh, that's really interesting. Okay, so this helps me kind of unpack my theory of play for myself too. Because I do not find going to a basketball game play. I enjoy it. I love it. But I feel like for me, play can't have high stakes. And when I go... <laughs> to watch the San Antonio Spurs play, like there are stakes, and I'm like really cheering for my team. Yeah. If they win, I'm super happy, but I don't walk away like I just walk away really happy and elated, but not necessarily rejuvenated. Like you can be incredibly <laughs> draining to cheer for them, or they lose, and it's like, well, that was fun. Like it was fun, but it wasn't play, right? Like I think for me, I find mm. there's a difference between the two, which I mean, it can be play for you. I'm glad for that, but. I think the stakes, like when there's stakes, that can lower it. So even like that's why it has to be like sometimes close friends sharing stories because yeah. when it's like mm -hmm. new people or acquaintances or people you're getting to know, like it feels like every story you tell like has like kind of stakes to it. You're engaged. Yeah. You're engaged. Like you're working out: Are we going to be friends with these people? And those stakes can sort of subtly undermine the the mm -hmm. play of that communal moment. Yeah, that's very interesting. So. It also just shed light. I feel like if we were giving any pre-marriage advice, this would be a great question to ask your potential marriage partner is how do you play? Because I think we did not have that conversation before we got married. And then we were very surprised <laughs> that we played differently. Just a number of vacations early on, like we just were like, oh, oh, we do there's, I mean, I think we do relaxing differently, but I think we also do play differently. And that really came into tension for us at times and still does occasionally. But I do think we're a little bit more aware of it now. But I think that'd be a very good question to ask yourself <laughs> if you were in a relationship. 
Yeah. Well, there you go. Talk about mic drop moment. You, how do you play, dear listener? Email us. We'd love to collect more examples of play from people. I'm actually curious. Do you have commonality? Like, I'm speaking to a listener. Do you have commonalities? Are you like, oh, yeah, play is very similar for me, or is play, like, completely different? And I'd also be curious for people for whom consuming things, like, media and entertainment is play. That's something neither of us talked about. I mentioned that earlier. But I'd be curious if there is someone who's like, oh, that is, like, totally play for me, and I think of it that way. Yeah, and we love those things, but it, it is different. I don't find that playful either. Cool. Oh, that was fun. We've that done was playful. It, we've done it, Rachel. A really <laughs> playful episode. The most playful. We started about, does it take a village and professional advice? And we ended here. What a journey. What a journey. Till next time. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your Tim's Day. Tim's Day.